Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. When it comes to our future, we can't change the past, but our future can be greatly altered by our faith and our confidence in God. So when these, these Hebrew spies came, she took them and she hid them up on the roof of her house and covered them over with flax so that they couldn't be found. And she described to them, she said, I know who you are. Words gotten out about you and your people, how that kings have just melted before you and their hearts have melted with fear because of the awesomeness of your God. I know who you are and I know that we're on the list to be eradicated. So she said, but, but when, when this happens, when your people come in to our city to take this city, would you do me one favor? Would you spare my family? And they made a deal with her. They said, when we come in, if you will put a scarlet thread out of the window of your house, when we see that scarlet thread, we will know that this is your house and we will pass you by. Isn't that beautiful? There's always a scarlet thread involved when we're talking about redemption, when we're talking about salvation. That scarlet thread ran from that window. That scarlet thread ran at, uh, when, they, when they came into the, when they left Egypt and they, they had the Passover, you know, when they put the blood on the doorposts and the lintels of the house. And when the death angel came over, he passed them by. That scarlet thread is always there. And on the cross of Calvary, when Jesus hung on the cross and he gave his life for us, that scarlet thread was still there. Because when he sees the blood applied to our lives, he passes by. Our sins are gone. Well, Rahab did what they told them to do. And because of it, when they came in and they began to destroy, you know, when they, when they went around the walls of the city seven times and on the seventh day, they went around another seven times and they shouted and the walls fell down. And when they came in, they saw that scarlet thread and Rahab's house was saved. Not only were they saved, that's not the end of a beautiful story. What happened was that Rahab abandoned her gods and the gods of Jericho, and she, she married a nice Hebrew boy. Man, whatever. And they had children. And one of their sons was a man by the name of Boaz, who married a woman by the name of Ruth who gave birth to a son by the name of Jesse, who was the father of a king by the name of David. Think about that. You see, his destiny, she was a mother of destiny. She had no idea, but she is listed in the hall of faith because of her faith because she trusted God, because she chose to be still and know that he is God. She did what he told her to do. She followed instructions to his word and God saved her people, her family, and gave her a destiny. That's what God does. And she's listed in Hebrews chapter 11 as one of the the, the, the mothers of faith. It was by faith that the peace people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people of her city who refused to obey God for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies and she became, these are my words, she became a mother of destiny. Then there was Hannah. Hannah, as, as you may know, her husband was, was Elkanah, 
And he was a godly man. And he had two wives, Hannah, and she had another wife. And, but Hannah was barren. She couldn't have children. The other wife, she was doffing them off like candy, you know, just every time you turn around. And she would make fun of Hannah because Hannah couldn't have children. But the thing is, Elkanah kind of favored Hannah. I don't know why. Maybe she was the better looking of the two or she was just had the most character. I don't know. Whatever reason it was. He, he could not stand to see her being treated this way. But one day, Hannah's in the temple, and she's praying, and her lips are moving, and Eli the prophet was there, who wasn't a very discerning individual. Well, he saw her praying. He thought she was drunk, and he accused her of such. He says, why are you drunk in the temple? She said, I'm not drunk. Then why are you moving your mouth like you are, like some kind of a crazy person? She said, I was praying. What were you praying for? I was praying for a child. Well, then God spoke to Elijah, Eli. And says, by this time next year, you will be holding your own son. Not only that, he'll be a son of destiny. He'll be a son of importance. He'll be a, a, a man that, 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 that people will recognize. And, and we know that that man was Samuel. And Samuel became one of the most respected prophets in all of Israel. It was Samuel that, that spoke prophetically concerning uh, the first king that they had, uh, King Saul. It was Samuel who, who spoke Saul's demise, and it was Samuel who spoke of David's rise to the kingdom and to the throne. But see, all these things are linked together, but, but Hannah was a mother of destiny. She didn't realize it at the moment, but she knew that God had given her a son. And when God gave her this son, what did she do with him? She gave him back. She gave him back to God. That's important. We do that here. You know, in Hebrew culture, when a child was born under the law, they would be brought to the temple. Every male child was to be brought to the temple on the eighth day and circumcised and dedicated to the Lord. Jesus was dedicated to the Lord in that manner. All the Hebrew boys were. It was the law that they were, and they still follow that law to this day. But, uh, uh, Samuel was brought to the temple and he was, he was given, but more than just presented to the priest to be circumcised, he was literally given to the priest. And she raised him up and when he was weaned, she brought him to the, the temple and gave him to Eli and said, this child shall be lent unto the Lord. For God had given her a, a child and he had favored her and she gave him back to God. And, and he was raised in the temple under Eli's watch. So we know, the, you know, it's a long story, and I, can't, I don't have time to really go into all the details of it, but Samuel was a man of destiny. He was the one who ushered in the kingdom of David. So we know that he was a man of destiny. And the last, last two women, well, there are two other women, not the last two, but there are two other women I want to talk about. One is a woman by the name of Elizabeth. Anybody know who Elizabeth was? She had a son who was not the Christ, but he was the one who came and proclaim, make way the paths of the Lord. He was the one who ushered in the Christ. He was the one who knelt at Jesus' feet, and he says, I'm unworthy to, to, to unloose the sandals of his feet. This, this is the Lamb of God. He was the one who baptized Jesus. He was the one who spoke of him. He pointed to him and says, look, look, I'm not the Christ. This is. He was a man of destiny. He had a message. He brought the message. And, but there was another woman who was kin who was Elizabeth? She was a cousin to Elizabeth. Her name was Mary. 
And we know who Mary was. If you don't know who Mary was, I don't know where you've been sleeping or what planet you're from. But Mary was the mother of Jesus. And when the word came to her, I'm just going to read this passage of Scripture and let it speak for itself. It says in Luke 1 through 25 through 38, it says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Now you talk about destiny. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to destiny. You'll give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus. Now, I want to stop right there. When we hear the name Jesus, it's not just a name. Yeshua, Savior, Savior. Could you imagine being out in the yard playing and all the other boys are calling you Savior? Hey, Savior, it's your time to bat. Savior, where are you hiding? You know, all your life you're called Savior because that's your destiny. That's your destiny. I didn't know when I was born what my name meant. I really didn't give much heed to it until I became a believer. But I'm just, you know, several weeks ago in, in the men's meeting, we, we just went around the table and we, we Googled what our names meant. Well, I knew what Donald meant. Donald means world ruler. That's what it means, overcomer. I can go with that. That's my name, Donald. Of course, I didn't know it until I was in the third grade. Never was explained to me. But Ray, Ray gets a bad, it gets a bad thing. It's got a bad reputation. You know, here in the South, most of you criminals got a middle name, Ray. <laughs> but they're not living up to their name. They're not. But Ray means one who watches over his destiny. So if I am proclaimed as an overcomer or a world ruler, then I must watch over my destiny in order to become what my name says. Jesus understood who he was. You know, he would, he would go to the temple with his mother and dad every year when they would go to make sacrifices. But on the year, it was just before his bar mitzvah, on his 12th year, he went with his parents to the temple. And when he was at the temple, his parents were busy shopping and doing whatever they do or getting ready for sacrifice. I don't know what they were doing. But they lost track of Jesus. And when they found him, you know, they had actually done their thing, and they were on their way home when they realized he wasn't with them. So they go back, and when they find him, they find Jesus in the temple doing what? He's getting a tune-up to his destiny. He's in the temple speaking to the rabbis, and they're all sitting around listening to Jesus and scratching their head. How'd this kid know that? How did he know? How does he know the... How, what? I... I, I they didn't understand that they were talking to the very one who had written the law that they were trying to interpret. They were talking to the one who came to fulfill the law. They were talking to the son of destiny and didn't even know it. They didn't even recognize it. But they were amazed at what they saw. Sometimes you see certain kids and you say, hey, that kid has destiny all over them. There's something special about that child. There's just something special about it. But you know what will happen whenever there's a child of destiny? 
the enemy will do what the enemy always has tried to do. When God put Adam in the garden and gave him destiny, what did the devil try to do? He tried to steal and destroy the destiny that God had prescribed for them. When Moses was born, a deliverer for the people of Israel, what did the devil try to do? He tried to kill him. Tried to take him out. When David was born, many don't know the story of David. I did some research on this because I was just curious. Why was it when Samuel was called to the house of Jesse when the Lord sent him there to anoint the king that there were only seven sons in the house and the one who is the true king was not there. Why? Why would Jesse treat him like that? Well, in studying that, I don't know how real, how true this is, but according to the... Hebrew doctrines or the Hebrew teachings that he was, his, his father had married a woman. I can't remember her name now. You probably would know, Grace. I can't remember what her name was. I'd studied it. I, I, had it, I had it in my head, but I lost it. Anyway, she was a true Israelite. And because Jesse was half Israelite because his mother was a Moabite, he wanted to make sure that he married a true Israelite, so he married this woman who was a pure Hebrew and raised sons by her, right? Well, when he had seven sons, he wanted to stop. But his wife wanted to have another. So she deceived him. So he had more than one wife, so it was kind of like the story of Rachel and Leah, when Rachel and Leah were, were, you know, when Jacob wanted to, to have Rachel as his wife and, and his father-in-law deceived him and sent Leah in instead of Rachel in the middle of the night, you know, you have to understand, they couldn't flip on the switch to see who was there. So David's mother switched out with the other wife because it was her turn to go into the husband. And that's kind of the way they did it. Kind of weird, but that's the way they did it. So she goes in, and she becomes pregnant. But she doesn't tell Jesse. So Jesse thinks when she begins to show that she's been unfaithful. So David was literally labeled as a bastard child, an illegitimate child. So that explains a lot why David was sent out into the field to tend the sheep because tending sheep was the lowest job that you could have in all of Israel. The shepherd people, the, the shepherds were the least of the least. And so David is out tending the sheep when, when uh, Samuel comes to anoint the king. That's why he wasn't included in. But understand this, God knows your name. God knows your destiny. And it's when, when it's time for your destiny to come forth, when it's time for you to bud, when it is time for you to begin to shine, God will make sure his hand is upon you. And he will make sure when it's your moment for your destiny to come forth. That's the way it was with David. Jesse didn't want David to be king. He wanted one of his golden boys to be the king, not David. But God had another idea, didn't he? God chose David. So 
in keeping with that, if you go back and look in the, the book of Matthew, in the very first chapter, there are 14 generations between, between Adam to Abraham, from Abraham to David, David to Jesus. 14 generations. So you can trace Jesus all the way back to the son of Adam. But you can, always chase, you can also trace him back to David. He was the son of David. So, you know, but he was the son of destiny. We see that. More importantly, his mother was a mother of destiny. And, and, and so let me, just, let me just, I don't know where I stop. It says, you will conceive and you will have a son and you will call his name Jesus, which is Savior. He will be very great and will be called of the, the son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. How can this happen? And sometimes we ask God, God, how are you going to do this? How are you going to make this happen? My son is rebellious. My daughter's rebellious. You just don't know where they are. You don't know what's going on in their life. How are you going to make this happen? But then we have to stop and be still and know that he is God. He can make it happen. He is the God of miraculous. And I love what she said after that. She said, I'm, an, I'm an, a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the baby will be born holy and he will be called the Son of God. And what's more, your relative, relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age and people used to say she was barren, but now she's in her sixth month. Verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant May everything you have said about me come true. I love that. She was willing to submit to the will of God and just trust him. She was willing to be still and let him be God. And so she did. And, and then the angel left her and Mary trusted the words she received from the Lord. Her obedience and trust in God brought about salvation and ensured the eternal destiny of us all. Then there are two other women that I wanted to talk to you about just a little bit. There are two ladies by the name of Lois and Eunice. Lois and Eunice. These were mothers of destiny. They had no idea. One was a grandmother. One was the mother. But they took this little boy they put him on their knee and they raised him up and they taught him the Word of God. They taught him the Scriptures. They drilled them into him. And he was a little guy by the name of Timothy. And it says in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, Paul says to Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers and I long to see you again. For I remember your tears as we parted and would be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. Mothers, I want to tell you something. Fathers are so important in raising up their children. But mothers, it seems, are very much 
even more important because moms are always there. Moms are always there for their children. Whenever I scratched my knee or something, I didn't go running in the house going, Daddy, Daddy. I'd run in the house, Mama. When I needed comforting, I'd run to Mama. When I needed soothing, I'd run to Mama. When I just needed somebody to wrap their arms around me and love me, I'd just run to Mama. Because she was always there, always ready. Always ready. There's just something about Mama that draws out the love in a young man's heart. And I'm reminded one night in particular. I've been very rebellious, been out partying and everything. And I was so confused and so messed up. And I'd always wait till mom and daddy went to bed long after they went to bed before I would come in. Because I thought I was pulling the wool over their eyes and I was keeping things secret. But I walk in one morning about 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. Very quietly snuck in. Shut the door behind me. And then I heard something that sounded like thunder coming from a little bitty woman. She says, God, save Donnie. Save my boy. And I became sober just like that. Just, and I stood there. I just stood there. Those words, I can still hear them to this day, just as clear, clear spell. I knew my mama was praying for me. I knew mama wasn't going to let go because she realized that destiny had sprung from her. She realized that God had a call on my life and she wasn't going to let go. She prayed me through. When other people would encourage her to give up or whatever, mama wouldn't do it. She would just be still and know that I am God. There was a woman in history who had two sons who founded a great move of God called the Methodist Movement. Their names were John and Charles Wesley. Their mother, Susanna, had become a widow. She had a couple of kids, 16 of them as a matter of fact. And they lived in a one-room shack in England. But she was a woman of God. She was a woman of faith. And she recognized destiny in her boys. And it's written of her that every night Susanna would put the kids to bed or tell them to be quiet. And after they had had supper, whatever supper was, if they had supper, 
and that she would pull her apron up over her head and that would become her prayer closet. And her children, her sons could hear her praying. Lord, I commit my children to you. I commit John, I commit Charles to you. All of her children, she would name them one by one and she would commit them to God and pray for them. John and Charles Wesley became the founders of the Wesleyan Church, which later became the Methodist Church and became Methodist because of the methodology of preaching because they became open-air preachers and circuit preachers and they did things that were totally different against the methods of the church that day. That's why they were called Methodists because they did things different. But I just say this, that they were men of destiny. But God brought them to their destiny through the prayers of their mother. And moms, I want to encourage you today. You have destiny. You have produced destiny if you have children. They are destined by God for something. And, in, and you have a part to play in that. You've already played a huge role in bringing them forth. But when we present them to the Lord and we declare over them, Lord, they're yours. I give them to you. This child is lent to the Lord. They're yours, Father. Thank you for giving them to me, but they're yours. They don't belong to me. They belong to you. They're your children. Give me wisdom in raising your children, Lord. Give me wisdom. Help me to put within them the principles and the guidance and to instill in them the character that you want them to have so that they can fulfill their destiny. They can become the man or the woman of God that you have determined that they should be. We all have it within us. Every one of us have potential within us. Some of us just don't know it. But I want to encourage you with something this morning. Every one of you are important to God. Every one of us are so valuable to God, and each one of us were purchased at the same price. Every one of us. Every one of us were purchased with the precious blood of Jesus. Every one of us. And that's how valuable you are. The enemy would want us to think that we are unworthy, that we don't deserve anything that God has for us. He wants to keep us down. He wants to keep us under, to think that we have no value, that we're unimportant to God, that we're just a humble little worm that's supposed to wiggle through life and disappear into fumes or nothing less or, or nothing more than that. But God has something more for you. You've been listening to Destiny City Church a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.